our small business operators, you know, it's great, obviously, to have people out spending money coming back in the door. That's what we want. Um, but, you know, you know, their struggles live on. Like, they don't, the, 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 the issues that have accumulated over the last two years don't evaporate because all of a sudden you have a really a busy weekend and you really, you know, you've got people pumping through the doors. Today on Dirty Linen, we are having a little bit of a different conversation, one that I hope people will find very practical and useful and also interesting. We are talking to Linda McClary-Smith. She is the Victorian Small Business Commissioner and the Victorian Small Business Commission provides dispute resolution and mediation to Victorian small businesses. Uh, It's been a very busy agency through COVID, particularly helping people uh, negotiate and administer the commercial tenancy relief scheme. Linda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, look, it's a real pleasure to have you here. And I'm sure that I'm going to learn a lot from this conversation. Um, but just would you just like to start by explaining a little bit about the commission and, and your role in it? Of course. So the Small Business Commission here in Victoria is here to, to help small businesses, of course. So that's that's no surprise. And our role is multifaceted. So we provide free or low-cost dispute resolution for small businesses who are in disputes with either other small businesses or it could be government or other organisations. But we also have a really big role in supporting businesses by helping them understand what they need to do to run a business, um, advocating for the rights of small business operators into government government and raising awareness of their rights right across government as well. Um, We we helped last year over 19,000 small businesses who came to us for help. Um, Often it's in the dispute phase where something's gone wrong, but we're very keen on working with small businesses to help them avoid disputes in the first place if we can, and also work out where the pressure points are for small businesses so we can get on the front foot and ensure that government understands their perspective. And what sort of background do you have to, to take on this important role? I mean, um, yeah, what, what sort of skills and life experience do you bring to it? Oh, so I'm, I'm a former lawyer, so to speak. So I was a commercial litigator in private practice and I've worked with businesses pretty much for my whole career. So I spent almost 20 years working in industrial relations, in industrial relations regulation for the Commonwealth Government. And that sort of gave me a great insight into literally thousands and thousands of businesses right across the country in every industry. I had the opportunity in, in those roles to see under the hoods of businesses. Um, of course, to kind of look at it where things have gone a little bit wrong but also with that perspective of how do you help businesses get it right in the first place and, you know, had really up-close experience with businesses and the challenges that come from from running a business. Um, I've also spent time in building construction regulator here in in Victoria as well, so some occupational regulation. Um, But I'm a small business girl, so I grew up in a small business household. My mum and dad had a small business when when I was growing up and I'm I'm actually the youngest of four and mum and dad's small business was in the commercial construction industry and going super, super well, provided a great life for my family and for all their staff as well. They had around about 20 to 30 staff. and But their business, Danny, didn't survive the 90s recession. So I've sort of I've lived the goods and the bads of being a small business family and the challenges that sort of come with that. And when mum and dad had to close their business, that sort of really was a fundamental shift and change in my life and my family's life. So I was really, with everything that's been happening, 
thing with COVID really keen to jump in and help um, our small business people because I've, I've lived and breathed it both from the good side but also those really challenging times as well. Yeah, that perspective must be yeah so important with you know for, <clears throat> for empathy with what people have been going through over the past couple of years. So from from your perspective, you know most restaurants, hospitality businesses are are small businesses. So I assume they're sort of under your auspices, or those are the biz- kinds of businesses that can come to you. What yes. kinds of things have dominated for you? Oh, certainly rent, rent of course. So so even for the, the businesses in HOSPO who have been able to keep ticking along a little bit with takeaway and the like or um, click and collect and those sorts of things that, um, but still, you know, that's just a tiny, a tiny amount of what their normal turnover would have been. Um, so, and then there are of course some for whom it just wasn't viable to open, even if they would have been allowed to. So certainly from um, the hospitality sector, the pressure around the rent relief nature of hospitality is generally you, you you know you are renting you do have a rental arrangement in place in order to have your kitchen and your facilities so um, just the pressure on not only being able to pay rent now as we start to reopen but the accumulated debt that's happened along the way I, I sort of think particularly for our hospitality businesses in Victoria it's been a really long road um, by nature of some of the public health decisions that had to get made over the course that sometimes decisions were made at short notice and the, the food that had to get thrown out or the staff who had to get sent home. And I mean, some of these announcements happened right in the middle of service. So just the, you know, the, the, the reality of all of that and the build up both from a financial and also an emotional stress perspective too, Danny, in terms of fatigue. So what, what a lot of our hospitals, small businesses are coming to us is, is help just saying, look, we can't pay our rent. We're behind in the rent, wanting to use the commercial tenancy relief scheme. We're having others who are just sort of saying look we're you know we're at our wits end you know we don't know what to do moving forward we're we're exhausted our staff are exhausted but the number one thing that hospo is talking to us about at the moment is the staff shortage of course so both the labor shortage sort of anyone at all um, right through to of course the important aspect of skills shortage as well and I had just one of my local restaurants restaurants had put up on social media the other weekend just a a desperate plea for if you can walk across a room, can you please come and work for us this weekend because we literally don't have anyone. We'll just, I need people to carry plates and um, that kind of reality. So I think that's probably one of the big challenges at the moment for hospitality is the the fact that even though everyone's excited to be opening, that if you, you know, you can't do that if you don't have staff to be able to do the job either. Yeah, it's certainly a topic that's come up again and again on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> and I had a, an operator say to me last week, we just need lungs and limbs. Mm. So it's similar to what the person was saying to you. Absolutely, 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 and it's. I think that's a real challenge that Hospo's got now and moving forward as well is sort of getting. Get obviously the, the the challenge at the moment is being able to open the door at all. But you know, from that forward looking business planning perspective, you know what 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 are small businesses thinking about about their labour? Where are they going to get them from? How do they sort of promote? And you've been doing some great work in this space too, Danny. How do you promote Hospo as a as a legitimate career pathway as well for people who might not have otherwise considered it? as well yeah absolutely there's so many different strands to it it's um yeah it's a kind of 
endless conundrum and it intersects with so many different parts of our society and, you know, daily life. I, it's it's a really interesting, I mean, it sounds like, can someone just ring you up and say, okay, my business is really struggling, I don't know where to turn and you will s- provide support to them? Because it sounds we, quite all-encompassing. Yes, we can, we can certainly point people in the right direction and we're also supported by the Victorian Government's um, Small Business Victoria who have dedicated services sort of like even small business concierges if you're a really little sort of business sort of under with that less and five staff and things like that but certainly the message sort of for, for out there to small business where look if you've, if you've got a problem give us a call um, if we can help you we will and if we can't we'll absolutely know who to direct you on to as well. Um, there's been a lot of good work happening at the local council level as well where they've been setting up small business concierges so that's another option too for um, our hospitality businesses if you if they are having a bit of trouble and they don't know where to turn to call the um, economic development officers at their local council just call up the, the the number and say you're a small business needing some help and there's some great supports in place there not only for running a business but as well uh, around mental health and well-being and there's some really great initiatives that um, there's a partners in well-being for example scheme at the moment that's providing um, free business support and advice and for men- not only for mental health in terms of for our small business operators but also around financial coaching as well so I think that's one of the big things too, Danny, is that in here in Victoria, the commercial tenancy relief scheme, the relief that's available for that runs out in the middle of January, on the 15th of January next year. So all of our hospo businesses that are, you know, run on really tight margins at the best of times uh, need to be in a position where they can start planning to repay back some of the debt that they've been accumulating during the shutdowns and the lockdowns. So when the rent gets deferred, usually what we see from uh, particularly restaurants and cafes is it's it's not that's not the only thing that's getting deferred they might have maxed out the credit card they've pulled all the money they could out of their super if they had super um, and then also other debt loan facilities from banks and things so we're really encouraging small businesses to um, start trying to look forward to that medium planning because these businesses will need to be more profitable than they've ever been before in order to pay back some of their debts as well it's yeah it is pretty scary to think about you know people are just looking to get to the next week and perhaps not looking to that medium and longer term it's yeah. been a period where you can understand uh that the immediate has been quite overwhelming and understandably people have just focused on that very short term that of course you can't run a business like that forever and, I mean, and it's really hard Danny like there's one again around me there was a cafe that put again put up on social media a couple of months ago like it's that like cash flow exactly as you're saying and they they put a plea and said um, we don't have money to pay our suppliers in two days can you please come and support us like they literally were saying we won't have be able to buy bread or milk um, and what was really good about that was I went down to you know get a sandwich and a drink or whatever to support them and like obviously appropriately socially distanced with everyone but there was a massive line because the people in the community saw that and they wanted to support their small businesses so I think aside from all the challenges I think there's a really good opportunity for our hospitality businesses to really hook into that small business support local focus that has been has got a lot of traction in the last you know two years so how do they how do they really capitalize on that and sell their small business 
the story and their experience. And mm. I, th- I think I think too, Danny, sort of in the hospo space too. The it's always been tricky to run a profitable business. There's lots of pressures. There's lots of expectations from consumers. And one thing that I'm hearing at the moment is that. Some of the um, hospital businesses are really taking that this opportunity now, mainly through you know desperate measures, but sort of saying, okay, well let's let's look at this, let's look at the prices that we're charging to our patrons. You know, we might not have put up our coffee price in ten years, and that's not reasonable. Um, the whole, you know, we've been so spoiled, particularly in Victoria, with incredible food and opportunities, and going into restaurants, and you've got a la carte, you've got degustation, you've got whole range of things you know you've got a wine list as thick as a phone book sometimes and we're so our expectations of patrons I think there's a chance there for hospo to reset some of those and sort of say you know what we need your support so you the menu might be shorter it'll be amazing it'll be cooked with love and it'll be fabulous but you know we might need to have two or three sittings so you can't maybe come in and sit here all night and maybe not have that spend so I think there's a good chance for hospitality businesses not to miss this opportunity where patrons might be a bit more understanding with some changes they make to the way they operate whereas a couple of years ago patrons would have gone well if I can't get it here I'll go to the business next door and I'll get it from there instead. So I think collectively as an industry, there's an opportunity to reset some of that as well. Mm, yeah, that's uh, definitely very timely. I agree. I think people are finding this, finding an opportunity to draw a line and just, uh, yeah, work out exactly what they need for their business to be viable uh, going and to, to climb out of this, but also for the long term, just going forwards, pricing has to be realistic. Um, so, Linda, you know, we're in Victoria, but not everybody who's listening to this podcast is. And even though the tenancy relief scheme does expire uh, early next year, of course, that doesn't mean that people aren't able to negotiate with their landlords and perhaps um, find a better deal. I mean, I just on the podcast last week, we were chatting to Mario De Pasquale, who's recently um, stopped working at Mario's Cafe, the venerable 35-year-old institution in Fitzroy. But he said that many businesses in Brunswick Street are moving a few doors down simply to take advantage of a, a new and better lease. But of course, you know, that's a massive upheaval. Wouldn't it be better if you could stay where you are and just pay, you know, pay a rent that works out better, hopefully, for both parties. What kinds of approaches and strategies would you have for people who are looking for a better deal on their rent? I think, you know, your point about the impost of moving both financially and practically and a whole range of different things is, is a really important one. So, and if, if you're in the hospitality business, you're, you know, you've usually got fit out costs and things like that as well. Sort of, it's not necessarily, it's not always as easy as possible just to up sticks and, and go somewhere else, particularly if you've built up your clientele, like maybe moving a few doors down, that's, that's obviously different. But one thing we really work on here at the commission is keeping those constructive conversations going so that, if, if the landlords and tenants can be having really constructive relationships that can lead to a long-term, you know, commercial arrangement, then that's fantastic. So some of the things I think where I've seen it work really well, if I can kind of contrast ones where I've seen it not go so well with ones that have, is that openness of sharing of information and that joint sort of the pitching of the joint thing that, you know, it's in the, it's no interest to a landlord to have their premises sitting, sitting empty or being undercut by other places. If you can sort of 
reach a middle ground where everybody's kind of in the middle, bit relatively happy or, or, or happy enough or can live with it is sometimes how we deal with dispute resolution here. What can you live with versus what might you be happy with? Um, but if you can find some common ground around that, uh, be creative. So there's the, the law gives you a framework when you're negotiating your leases, but there's a whole range of different things that you can you can do around. It might be about the terms of the leases. It might be what's what support's provided in terms of how you slice the outgoings, things like that. Um, you know, there's a whole range of different options for people, but I think those ongoing conversations are really important. So if, if you're running a business at the moment, and you're thinking, well, look, I think I could actually move my cafe or restaurant down the road, around the corner, what have you, because I can get cheaper rent. Having those conversations with your landlord I think is really important. Um, one of the things we see where the disputes that come through to us that don't get resolved, and the vast majority do. So of disputes that come to us, 40% get resolved without even going to mediation. And even of those that go to mediation, usually just over 80% of those are resolved at mediation. So, you know, you come to us with a dispute, you know, your odds are very strongly in your favour, it gets fixed. For the ones that don't, though, one thing that's really common is lack of communication. So when the parties have stopped talking to each other, um, and that can sometimes be literally at all in terms of not communicating even through advisors. Um, and sometimes, also the ability for the landlords and tenants to have either direct conversations or, or conversations in a room or, or virtual room with advisors but with them they're present because sometimes it can end up a little bit of you know email or letter warfare back and forward and people can become a bit positional or positions can be misunderstood um, you know tones get read into things so I think if you if you are uh, um, running a business and you do want to have a conversation with your landlord around your future I think having those open and honest conversations as early as possible and being involved in those. If you do have an advisor, that's great to get your advice, but, you know, as much as you can, you need to be involved in those discussions yourself. And and one thing we always say to businesses, you know, to both landlords and tenants, put yourself in the other person's shoes and try and imagine what, what their interests are, what would work for them, and try and think creatively to think, well, if I would want to get this outcome, what could be, what, what might they be looking for? So with a landlord, it might be, well, you know, if they've had high turnover maybe they want a longer term lease that that might be something that they would be interested in or you know just to think through the other person's perspective is can be really powerful when you're trying to agree to these things Mm, I love that word positional that's a (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And it's just, it's just a feature. Like it's always a position, you know, a position part of the part. It's always a feature of disputes, but COVID, just everyone's exhausted. So it's just cumulative fatigue. It's financial fatigue. It's emotional fatigue. It's just physical fatigue. So certainly what we're seeing at the moment is there is more of an inclination for people to kind of retreat to their corners a bit. And, you know, and what we provide then is a bit of, I describe it as a cool head in the middle or a circuit breaker where the maybe parties have become too entrenched in their positions and then they just need some in the middle to kind of go, okay, well, let, let's focus on how we can resolve it rather than what, what wrongs people feel have been done to them as well. 
I've got a Facebook group for hospo owners and I mentioned that I was going to have a chat to you and asked if anybody had any questions and um, you'll be glad to know that someone came through and said how incredibly supportive and helpful the commission had been in their situation. Um, That was in response to a question from someone who asks, how should someone proceed if the landlord keeps promising a response but hasn't given one? Is there a risk without an agreement they could ask for 100% of rent retrospectively? Well, that's it. That so there, there's obligations on the landlord actually to reply in a required time. If the if the tenants put through a compliant rent relief request, there's actually the landlord's obliged to actually respond within 14 days, and then the same the same is the same for the tenant as well. One, what we'd seen in some of the earlier versions of the scheme that had previously where there weren't the timeframes that, yes, sometimes, you know, both sides, sometimes it said just, I don't mean this pejoratively, but head in the sand kind of just really overwhelmed. So just cope it will go away and don't respond. Um, and sometimes it's also been, we've seen examples where it's been tactical from both the landlord's and the tenant's perspective to ignore requests. But yeah, the landlord should absolutely be, be responding. Um, they've, they've, they must respond um, if a compliant rent request and that if they, if the tenant has the option of coming to us to assist and I have the option of issuing what's called a binding order. So if a tenant's made a compliant rent relief request and we've had a go at trying to, and they can't agree, and we've had a go at trying to mediate it and it's not been successful or the landlord's just refusing to negotiate in good faith at all, um, I have the ability to issue a binding rent relief order which actually prescribes what the rent relief should be as well. So I'd encourage that, um, that uh, business if, if that's a live issue for them to give us a call. And look, even if even if they haven't fallen formally into the scheme, if they're outside that, we can no doubt help. I would, I would, it sounds like we could provide some assistance and some tactics in terms of how to address it with the landlord. Brilliant. They'll be glad to hear that. And somebody else, this is, I, I think, more on that sort of business concierge side of things. There, there's one person who's got in touch to say that they haven't been able to get a response from Business Victoria about their um, HOSPO grants that they've been, um, they believe they're eligible for. And I know that there are a lot of people in that boat. Is that something that you're able to like smooth the path towards? Yeah, certainly. If people have concerns, so I know Small Business Vic have been working really hard to get through the processing of the grants um, within an, uh, like a quick time frame. I know that there's sometimes ones that, you know, just that's not been their experience. So we have, um, if people email inquiries at vsbc.vic.gov.au and Danny, I can shoot you the contact details so you can share them with your crew as well. Um, that, um, yeah, if you if people have got a specific case where they've tried to get traction with small business big and they're not, um, definitely shoot it through to us and we can um, we can touch base with um, small business big. Amazing. They'll be really excited to hear that as well. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of information on the vsbc.vic.gov.au website about the kinds of areas that you can assist in. And one that I found really poignant and I'm sure there's you know there's so many personal stories behind it but it's should I close my small business yeah um can you speak to that a little bit uh look it's a really it's a really really important point and it's one of the things I think it's hard at the best of times but you know businesses can be incredibly successful to a great run and then time just 
gets called anyway or it's no longer people don't want to work on it. And I think we've got an opportunity probably as a community and a society to not always look at business closure as a failure just and even for businesses that may need to close now because of it just can't, can't survive anymore. It's important, I think, for those people to reflect on all the awesome stuff they have achieved, all the people they've employed, all the suppliers that they've provided money to and supports to over the years as well, even though it might now might be really hard. So if, if you've got um, listeners who are thinking that it is potentially an option that they need to consider talking to their advisors as quickly as possible. So accountants, your bookkeepers, there's a, you know, there's lawyers as well, but usually your accountant or bookkeeper are good, a good first start. And then just planning for how you would actually transition out of the business as well. <clears throat> One of the things that's I think really important is if you are thinking about, you know, if it's if the financial reasons are and um, are the reasons that are driving maybe wanting to close the business, the sooner you have those conversations and start to make decisions, the more empowered you will be. Um, most of our small businesses have personal assets involved in running their business. It's just the reality of it, be it their house or credit cards, what have you. So the longer you let debt accrue, just keep piling up, um, the, the bigger risk, depending on how things are set up um, for your business, the bigger risk you have of actually losing your personal financial assets as well. So sometimes having making those hard decisions early can actually mean that you come out of it better than you would otherwise have been. Um, the other thing is obviously doing stock takes about, you know, who, who, who do you owe to what, what notice do you need to provide to your employees as well, um, and just planning. So I think the, the important part is if, if you're starting to have a think about it, it's important to go through that in a really thoughtful way because if it is for financial reasons, at some point that decision will get taken out of your hands and someone else will make that decision for you, be it a bank or the ATO or a landlord. So if you can be in control of that. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen many examples in the current environment where people are starting to have those conversations with, um, you know, their the people they owe their money to and there's a bit more latitude to being um, empathetic to people at the moment. So I think if you can arrange to transition out of your business in a way that you know, like my mum and dad, like my mum and dad paid everyone out of their own pocket every single dollar that they owed. And that's so important to my mum and dad. Like even when my, my this current role, my appointment was announced, my first thing my dad said, and he's in his 80s, was I didn't owe anyone a dollar. Like my dad being, mum and dad being able to leave, finish their business, um, like they had no dollars left themselves. But if um, my, my mum and dad being able to close their business in a way that was consistent with their principles and values was a really important part for them in moving on to the next chapter of their life as well. So that's that would be one thing I'd offer from my perspective as well of having lived through that as a kid is that if you can close your business in a way that you are you might be really sad about it, it could be a really difficult time, but you are as proud as you can be that you've done it in a respectful kind of honest way. And in order to have those, to be able to do that, you've got to have the discussions early. Yeah, gosh, I mean... It's such good advice and, um, yeah, partly born of that that difficult personal experience. Um, but, you know, hospitality businesses are so emotional. You know, it's all about creating those beautiful experiences for diners. And I think that idea that, you know, closing isn't failure could be so important to some people. I mean, it is a success to offer, you know, your staff a good experiences along the way and to offer customers good experiences along the way. You know, those 
those, yeah, like that will never be taken away. Um, it reminds me of a, a really powerful conversation that we've had on this show with Joseph Abood, who closed Bar Saracen in the city uh, during this difficult period. And just it's, it's such an emotional decision, but I think one that if he looks back now, months later, he is, you know, pretty clear was was a difficult one but a good one. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, people really need to know that there is another side, like, you know, time will pass and you know you yes, will yeah. you will move like yeah the feelings will move and the practicalities will, will change as well that's right Rel- relief for some of the small businesses i've spoken to have who either have closed or are you know in going through the motions of doing it they've talked about the relief like the weight off the shoulders of kind of knowing that they feel like there there's an outcome now they feel like they're doing something as opposed to things are being done to them and just that lifting of that mental burden and the stress and the pressure that people have been you know working under as well so yeah it's, they're tough they're tough decisions but I, you know i think there's a lot we can do to be you know thankful and appreciative for the business the small businesses who have had a great experience like we've enjoyed it they've had a great experience they've been an employer it's been fabulous just because you're closing it now even if you you close it with debts and stuff that doesn't mean you've been a failure particularly at the moment with COVID it just means it's time to move on to different things Mm. yeah I think also because hospitality it's so much about you know, there's there's so much happening below the surface. It's a business that's about so much about creating, or you know, if a certain feeling or an appearance, Absolutely. and you know, you're just paddling madly underneath. I think it can be really hard for people who dig into that. You know, it's all about the veneer, and it's you know because they don't show that that whole other side to their customers. Sometimes they don't always acknowledge it themselves. It's it's very it's just very poignant. <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? Because like running a business is a skill set in itself, irrespective of what you go into. But you, you know, you're amazing cutting hair or whatever. You're a brilliant chef, where you've got really creative ideas about how you want to serve people, so you want to set up a restaurant, cafe. But then, like that's one thing. Like whatever industry you're in is what you're passionate about. That's why you jump out of bed in the morning um, and probably collapse into bed at the end of the night. But then the running of a business is a whole separate thing. And I think those in hospo have have really suffered a lot over the last couple of years because people are in hospital usually because they love that love people and they love being in a really energized team environment where everyone's on the team you're all working together to get served through service or what have you and you know the people you love seeing the look on the faces of the customers you love the being there for the celebration kind of moments so I think that was part of the challenge too even if you were open take away you just don't get that like people come and grab their food and that that's it like you're not getting that you're not getting that people connection as well Mm, not getting that energy flowing yes. through the doors. Um, mental health is also part of your purview and, you know, it gets a whole section on the website. Can you talk about ways that you support uh, businesses to look after their mental health? Uh, absolutely. So we've got a couple of resources that are available and I just one that's really important which is available free entirely free of charge through the Victorian government is that's the partners in wellbeing. So uh, it's available weekdays and 
weekends and it's a free and confidential helpline for small business people and this is the one I was uh, referring to earlier that has where you can get mental health coaches who can actually help you to improve your sense of well-being and develop coping strategies and also the financial experts who can offer advice about managing debt and financial concerns. Um, We've also partnered with Beyond Blue as well to develop a specific guide for small business owners around creating uh, their own mental health plan Um, and that plan that ends up this is all available on our website um, includes thinking about your mental health identifying what your stresses are um, recognizing how how you can help recognize changes in yourself and and how you can plan steps to take if you're starting to feel feel that Um, and we've also um We've also worked with Beyond Blue around their new access for small business owners, which again is a small business owner context. And um, and Lifeline, of course, is available. We're, we're seeing more and more um, small business owners who are just incredibly distressed. Um, we work in the dispute space, so it's obviously it's not uncommon for people to be upset when we're talking to them. But, you know, from levels of, you know, being upset about it, you know, a bit angry about someone's how someone's treated you, is the path of the course but at the moment um, the levels of distress are much much higher so I just encourage people that obviously you know from a priority perspective if you if you're really feeling like you're in a bad way lifelines available 24 7 on 13 11 14 um, you can reach out through help through that partners and well-being problem program just to start having some conversations if you feel like you're ready to sort of dive into addressing how you can sort of help yourself then that's our small business owners guides for you and there's also um, great information available at headsup.org.au for small business owners around your role as an employer Um, so most people in hospo obviously are employers so um, there's some really great resources there including online training and strategies for supporting staff there's also templates for developing a mental health and wellbeing policy and also help for minimising job stress as well. So some of the things that we've really been encouraging our small business operators to do is, uh, well, particularly through lockdowns, you know, staying connected with friends via whatever means. So, you know, video calls, social media, chatting and, you know, now that we're allowed out, you know, to walk and do all kinds of different exercises, um, thinking about the value of a daily walk and getting out and having a chat to someone, um, those kinds of things are really, really important. But I think, you know, if you are feeling overwhelmed or stressed, there are people who are here to help you and you're not the only one. So that's the thing. There's no shame in asking for help. Um, there's lots of help available. And the feedback I've got from some small business operators would just bring tears to your eyes about some of the stories about how the help has actually helped. Um, I think one of the challenges with being a small business operator is you're everything to everyone. Um, And one of the unique things about COVID is, you know, normally if you're going through some business issues or challenges as a small business, yes, of course, they still come home with you. You can't ever, you can't forget about them, but your whole family's not living through it at the same time. Whereas our small business operators have been trying to operate their businesses, you know, or, or hibernate them while they themselves have been living through COVID lockdowns and worrying about COVID, you know, they might've been needing to do that while they're homeschooling kids or what have 
have you. You know, they might have loved ones who've lost their jobs and, and everyone was worried about catching COVID, of course, and getting really sick. So I think that's probably one of the things, the unique things at the moment is to say to everyone, like if you are struggling, it's okay because I think pretty much everybody is struggling to some degree. And even if you yes, even now as we open up, don't feel that that means you can't put your hand up for help. Just because it's sunny and people are out and about doesn't mean that people aren't still struggling. I'm still hearing stories every day from small business operators who are needing help. So you, you certainly won't be alone if you do need to ask for help. Oh, I think in some ways I can imagine some people like this is the time that they'll feel worst because yeah. you you do muster unknown resources to uh, get you through a crisis, but it's often when the you know the real emergency seems to have passed that you can let yourself feel all the other feelings. That that's right, and depending on your circumstances too. Sort of you know our small business operators. You know it's great obviously to have people out spending money coming back in the door. That's what we want. Um, but you know their you know their struggles live on. Like they don't the the the, the issues that have accumulated over the last two years don't evaporate because all of a sudden you have a really a busy weekend and you really you know you've got people pumping through the doors uh, whereas their friends and family if they've worked in work let's let them work from home maybe they feel like great everything's good now we've all kind of we're moving on I, I think the small business operators being open and honest with their support networks that you know this is far from over for them is really important mm. but, and I'm hoping one thing that comes out of this, Danny, is just that visibility for our small businesses. So the community really seemed to rally around their local small businesses. So that would be a big shout out, I think, to all small businesses too, is don't don't miss this moment to capitalise on that. How do you keep your customers coming to you because they want to shop at small business and they want to support you as well? Um, if we've signed it's a bit like some of the things empty esky and click for vic and stuff you know, small businesses have consumers attention right now so how do they how do they build on that to hopefully grow their business as well yeah i love that um well, linda i feel like yeah there's so much that i've got from this conversation is there anything else that you would like to say Oh, look, I just again, just reiterate, if you're a small business and you're, you're having troubles, don't hesitate to pick up the phone and give us a call at 13 87 22 um, or um, jump onto the website and put in an inquiry to us if you need to, vsbc.vic.gov.au. Um, let us worry about whether or not we're 100% the right people or we need to give you a transfer on to someone else that we can sort that out. But please don't hesitate to reach out to us because uh, we're here to help you. That's our job. Just love it. I mean, honestly, I feel calmer having had this conversation and I'm not even running a small business. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today, Linda. It's been yeah, really useful, um, rich and worthwhile conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, Danny, and good luck to all the businesses out there. I'm really looking forward to getting out there myself and uh, supporting all of the hospitality um, industry as well. Right. See you out thanks, there. Th thanks, Danny. <laughs> Bye-bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.